Well, what a beautiful day this is. We are so thankful that you are with us in this season. Uh, we know for many of you it's been a tough week. But here we are, we're setting ourselves up for this beautiful Christmas season. And I want to welcome you. So you've been welcomed before everyone on Facebook, on YouTube, on the church platform, and those beautiful people joining us online, on the Zoom uh, that I see in front of me, all these beautiful faces. What a joy to be together. I want to remind you that the vehicle may change. How we gather may change. But the presence of God his love for us. Oh, the closeness of His Holy Spirit is right where we are today. And God is mindful that we are dust. I keep reminding myself of that because so often we think that God loves the projected perfection of what we think we should be to be loved. Oh, but the Bible says how well He understands us. He's acquainted with our sorrows. Jesus was a man acquainted with our struggles. And I'm so thankful that He came. That He's a high priest that knows what it's like to be human. And today, the first Sunday of 2020, for Christmas, my desire is to pray and lead you into more of an introduction story to our journey this Christmas. You know, I've been through many Christmases and some of you have been through more. And I think there is something so unique about this one. And I'm going to pray that God would keep you and I riveted to this story. Because historically, we may experience the wonder of Christmas in a new way because of the season we are in. So if ever there is a time where I pray that you would just stay in the moment, it is today. But let me pray for us, Heavenly Father. You know each of us by name. Oh, you know my name. You know my every thoughts. You see the tears. You see the anxiety, the uncertainty and fears. And you hear us when we call. And I pray that every heart will feel the gentle embrace of a God who loves us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your presence. And thank you, Holy Spirit. You cause the story that we're about to enter to be deeply, deeply burned into our soul. For you didn't leave us as orphans. Given us your son. The wonder of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to begin to tell you a story. As we begin to narrow the light on the stage. Because I want to take you back 2,022 years ago. 
He said, Pastor Pierre, why 220,000 years? I want to take you into the context of the area and the time before Jesus came. You've got to understand it's quite unique. Because Julius Caesar was the emperor of Rome. Now what's so interesting about Julius Caesar, he was a powerful man. He was a, a epic politician and he was a, a ruthless field commander. And the occupation of the world started with him. And when he died, his son Caesar Augustus became the emperor of Rome. When he died, they said that somebody saw a comet and immediately Julia, uh, Caesar Augustus took that moment and began to spread the rumor that he felt was factual, that what they saw was not a comet, but Julius Caesar ascending to heaven, and he was now seated at the right hand of God, which immediately made him August, Julia, Caesar Augustus the son of God, and he would take the posture that he Caesar Augustus was the son of God and that his her mission was to bring peace on earth. Oh, the, the term that we have heard before, Pax Romana, means peace. But the way that he would bring peace was not the way that you and I would imagine peace because for him peace was anybody that objected or did not agree, was brutally murdered or enslaved. So his whole reign of occupation was just a bloodbath of context, con conquests and of war. You say, why the story of Rome? Well, Israel was under Roman occupation. It, it, it wasn't by choice. It wasn't by agreement. It was by forceful occupation during that time and, and in the, that moment they, they realize that now they have become enslaved to someone who thinks they're the son of God and they have heard, hear he, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. But of course, Augustus Caesar realized that he could not be everywhere at the same place, so he put kings over regions, but these kings would be weak men that he could easily control and never wonder that there would be a rebellion against Rome. And over Jerusalem and the Jewish people, he put King Herod. King Herod did not only call himself king, but the supreme king over the Jewish people. They were not his equal, they were slaves. They had no choice. But historians tells us that he was a neurotic man that always felt that the, the enemies were on the inside and they were trying to topple his supreme kingship over these poor working class, less than human. It is interesting, his wife, which he dearly loved, his daughter convinced him that his wife was planning a coup against him. So Herod put his own wife on trial and publicly executed her. The torment of that 
was undeniable. You can imagine what it feels like when a king executes his own wife. And that's not all. He, he became neurotic. He became he, a tormented human soul, always looking over his shoulder, unstable. And he thought that his three sons that she gave to him were part of the plot. And this man, King Herod, took his three sons and he executed his three sons. Brutal, neurotic. It was a very, very dark time for Israel. Because you see, not only was there a darkness of what Herod would do to them, the worst was still to come because the Bible says there would be a wailing all across Israel because the time would come where this neurotic Herod would say that there is a new king that was born for the Jews. And he sent out word to his soldiers to execute every unborn born child up to the age of two. Historians tells us that they would thrust swords even into the womb of women that were carrying children because he feared that maybe there's another king that would replace him. It was dark, very dark, because the pain of losing sons, the future of a nation, and then there was the taxes. Oh, the taxes. Because you see, Caesar would collect from all the kings in the regions. But the kings themselves wanted to be wealthy. So instead of collecting taxes just for Rome, they would double the taxes and collect taxes for themselves. And they tell us, you see, if it says that the taxes was 80, 90% of whatever people earned in trade, they had to pay over not an agreement, but against their will. It was dark, very dark for God's people. But then, if that was not helpful enough, there was the tension of hope. You say, Pastor Pierre, what do you mean the tension of hope? Because you and I live in the tension of hope in this season. Because you see, there was a prophet. His name was Isaiah. 700 years ago. You know what that means? That means for us it would be like we heard a prophet in 1320 that said that God was going to do something. 1320. You see, they had, had yet prophets. There was only one. Right now when you go on social media, everybody's a bishop and a prophet. I just shake my head and I go like, wow. But for them... 700 years ago, Isaiah said, The virgin shall bore a child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Oh, for unto us a child is born. O Jerusalem, unto us a son would be given. His name shall be called Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of His kingdom and His reign, there shall be no end. And believe me, the zeal of God will accomplish that. That was then, but 700 years ago, Malachi, the last prophet in the Bible, 
spoke about Jesus that would come to the darkness and the hopelessness of people. But it's been 400 years of silence. You know what that means for us? It means that since 1620, we have not heard God speak at all. All we have is pain, occupation, taxes, the loss of life. It's been 800 years since Elijah called fire and God answered. It's been 400, no, 600 years since Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood in the fire and they didn't burn. It has been that long since the evidence of a living God was among His people. Oh, and have you not heard that Scripture says, hope delays, hope defers, make the heart sick. And maybe you and I are standing in a season this year where we are beginning to experience hope delay. Maybe for many of you, you've been hoping for years, years that God would heal, that your children would come back, that a spouse would return, that you would get better. But hope has been delayed. <laughs> and when the human heart feels sick, it gets dark around us. But where does this leave us? You see, loss, pain, grief has a tendency to bring with it a very thick cloud of darkness. And there are losses that we all experience. Israel experienced loss. When I began to think about Israel's loss, I thought, well, let me break it down in the losses that you and I experience. And especially this year, we've experienced losses. And for many of you, you say, oh, if you only think about losses this year, you don't know about loss. Because there's the obvious losses that you and I experience. Separation, divorce, loss of a job, loss of money, violent crime, death of a loved one. And then there's the not so obvious losses of loss of health, changing of schools, loss of an ideal dream that died, then losses related to age. Oh, I want to look in the camera and tell you, you will all get to a loss related to age. And these are deep felt losses. For the young adults, they go like, oh, thank God we're not old yet. Yep, there will be the loss. When you leave your parents' home and the free freezer and the food is no longer free, you'll have to pay rent. You'll have to struggle through your own darkness. You, you, you will lose your youth. You will lose your beauty. Men will have to retire and feel the loss of now what? Women go through menopause. And it's not a day. It's not two days. They just don't know what is happening with themselves. But they know that they have lost a part of themselves. And then there's losses that's in the limbo. Awaiting a test. Awaiting the future. Awaiting an outcome. And in the midst of it all, it feels dark. But I stumbled across this poem that my daughter introduced me. Now, I love poems that speaks of deep truths. I want you to stay with me with this poem. The poem was written by David White, 
on loss and the human experience. Because you and I this year are entering this season with a different set of grief and loss. But the problem is many of us are too scared to even give it a name. Our defense, mine is humor. I can make a joke out of everything. Sometimes when my wife says it's so inappropriate, it's like your mind doesn't connect with reality. Oh, it connects. I just don't want to deal with reality. David White <clears throat> writes this. A person when they felt they have lost at such a foundational level will tend to begin to think, if this is what life involves, lust, vulnerability, tragedy, grief, then I am not playing this game. I'm not going out and meet it. I'm going to create my own little bubble, my own rules that I'll play according to the way I lay out my life. I'm not actually going to apprenticeship myself to the difficult and the fierce revelation of human existence. He says it's quite helpful to know that not feeling as if you belong feeling as if you don't quite know how to play the game of life, that may be the full human incarnation of life. He says almost everyone you see around you, even the most phenomenal players who seems to be full of competence, always have a part of them that's looking from the inside, from the outside in. There is always a part of them that feel like they too don't quite belong. Instead of seeing the dynamic difficulty of something we have to overcome, it's quite interesting to look at this as a cork human competency. Oh, now it gets a little bit deeper. If you look at the rest of creation, nothing else gets to feel as if it doesn't belong. If you look at the clouds, everything in the natural world is just that. It is. And none of those creatures get to imagine themselves as something else. A rock is happy to just be a rock. A cloud is happy to be just a cloud. A mountain joyfully is just a mountain. In fact, we as humans go out in the natural world because we want an intuition of rested simplicity. Maybe where everything is happy to be as it is, we could simply be ourselves. But actually, it may mean that just being yourself as a human mean, being means feeling slightly out of it most of the time. I start to ponder at that. And I realize, wow, if that is the truth, the ideal to feel totally at peace all the time is not how God wired us. And that a form of enlightenment 
enlightenment is to understand that you'll never feel quite at home and you're not supposed to because actually your sense of compassion for the rest of creation and for others depend on your understanding that you are an exile. Now far a creature can feel from true parentage, from true inheritance, from true home. Then he says this in closing. So part of starting close, starting close in, taking the step you know you have to take is understanding that you will never be the image of perfection you want for yourself. And thank God for it. Because whatever image of perfection you've laid out has come only from your mind. Then he says this, and it lacks a conversational nature of God. The world which we will open up through the difficulties of life, the vulnerabilities into a much larger territory. So, friend, take a courageous step and understand that you and I are not made to fully belong to the world. You're meant to hold both home and exile, distance and together. Because we are travelers on our way to our true home. Wow. When I think about that, then all of a sudden, the struggles of the uncertain is not so painful. But you see, the darkness that it creates all around us is. What has been your darkness this year? Because you see, if we give it a name, if we acknowledge it, if we step out of denial, this has been quite the year for us. Some of you have lost a job. I have lost certainty. For me, I've lost the joy of seeing all your beautiful faces every weekend that I've taken for granted for 22 years. I grieve the fact that I can't hug you. I'm a hugger. I grieve the fact that we can't go anywhere without masks. I grieve the fact that there's no vacation this year. I grieve the fact that there's uncertainty. I grieve the calls that I get that some of the people we know and love so deep is in hospital. I grieve the, that this unbearable fear creeps into my soul when I hear someone's in ICU. I grieve when the light goes out at night that I'm not sure about tomorrow. And it feels really dark for us all. And those feelings manifest in sadness, depression, helpless, fearful, empty, despairing, pessimistic, angry, agitated, restless, Lack of motivation. I ask the question in the season, why am I so weak Will Could it be that I'm not weak Will Could it be that you're not weak Will Could it be that we are just exhausted living in the uncertainty of what we wish was not there? But you see, inevitably this Christmas may feel a likened grief to what Israel felt. Because you see, when 
There are so many artificial lights around us. Oh my goodness. I, I can prove this to you, TJ. Would you switch on every conceivable light on the stage right now? E every conceivable light. I need more. Everything you have, TJ. Everything you have. Could it be when we have so much artificial light around us that the most important light of them all is obscured by success, by finances, by achievement, by the feeling that we control the world, that, that all of a sudden these candles look so obscure. TJ, switch off all the lights because the Bible says Jesus was going to come. And listen what John said. John said, when he comes, his breath filled all things with a living, breathing light. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot be quenched. It cannot be snuffed out. <laughs> oh, can it be that the darker it gets, can it be that God waited 400 years for it to become utterly dark? Could it be that this is the year God says, let me create a little bit more dark around you so that you understand the wonder of the light that's to come. But we don't like pain. <laughs> we don't like loss. We, we love to live in denial. We love to live with a living hope. It is almost a virtue. The moment we become honest, people go like, oh, you're such a drag. You know, Khalil Gibran. Oh, I read his poems. And when I was like 12 years old, I started to memorize it. I went fishing with my, my uncle. And he memorized one of a whole book of Khalil Gibran. So we sat at night, he would begin to recite these poems. Your children is not your children. They're the sons and the daughters of the destinies of tomorrow. They come through you, but they're not from you. They're like the arrows on the bow. Oh, and I was also impressed with this. I'm like, oh, I love this kind of stuff. I couldn't wait to get this book. And I picked this book up in an old, raggedy old bookshop. Khalil Gibran says these words. The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? Is not the cup that contains your joy the cup that was burned in the potter's oven? When I think about that, I realize, could it be that to the extent we are able to hold loss, to that same extent we can embrace wonder. Could it be to the extent that we can deal with the pain of defeat, we'll be able to hold the joy of victory again? Could it be to the extent that we make room for hopelessness, pain, and loss? Could it be that's to the extent that we can truly celebrate the wonder of Christ. What does that mean? Well, friends, 
There is another writer that suggests that to get out of denial, you need to throw a dinner party and invite your pain. Remember, when you invite your pain to the table, you will feel again. And I want to remind you that feeling is part of healing. He says, what you need to do is invite your pain and give each of them a name. The pain of betrayal, the pain of uncertainty, the pain of loss, the pain of grief, the pain that we couldn't be together for Thanksgiving, the pain that my marriage is not what it seems, the pain that I'm drifting from my children, the pain that I'm older this year and I'm becoming invisible, the pain that if I'm retired and I feel useless, the pain if I'm in menopause, that means am I still attractive enough? Am I useful? When you sit with all your pain, you will realize not one of your pains are bottomless. You'll be able to sit in it, let it carve into your heart. But what it does, it enlarges your cup. And then after the dinner party, you thank them for being part of what has made you. And now, instead of grief, you replace it with gratitude. Because you see, betrayal, you made me feel what it feels like when love is violated. And I didn't know I could love that deep. I want to thank you for allowing me to feel the pain, to know I have a capacity that love, and I have a God that loves me even deeper. Uncertainty, thank you for letting me go through the pain and the feeling of out of control, because you've allowed me to realize I've never been in control, but there is one seated in power and might, and it's Him I put my trust. Oh, uncertainty, you've made it possible for me to see where I should put my trust. Oh, fear of failure. I was so scared, I thought it was my end, but I realized it was only my prison. Because I've never been accepted or rejected by God or friends because of my success. You see, in that moment, friends, and I'm going to ask that we switch off all the lights on the stage. In that moment, it's when it feels at its darkest that you and I may find that we will rediscover the wonder of Christ. And the journey this Christmas is we're going to help each other to learn how to grieve.
because I want you to know as your pastor, nobody has ever taught me how to grieve. Growing up in ministry, I've gone through a lot of painful things, but I always respond with compassion, and it feels so godly. I don't think I've ever told somebody they've disappointed me and I'm angry. My vault is so full, and as I said to my daughter when we discussed this, I said, Chloe, if I had to open the vault and invite my pain, I would cry for days. She says, Dad, but have you ever thought that what's in your vault will show up one day, whether you like it or not? But maybe if you thank what is in the vault, you will discover the light, the glory of the wonder of Christ that can heal us, remind us, and be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So my prayer is that this year, this Christmas, we would be able to sit with the tension of grief and loss and pain in the one hand. But oh, the power of the unobscured hope of Jesus Christ. And can I remind you, your final chapter has not been written. Mine has not been written. Even though it may be silent, even though it may feel dark, maybe it's the only way that you and I will be able to receive the wonder of Christ. So, Father, This is such a foreign, obscure space for us as believers. Oh, we love to waltz in the possibility of the new creation. But we do not know how to sit with our humanity. God, may you teach us how to lament, how to feel. I pray especially for the men, because we as men have been taught, cowboys don't cry, wipe your eyes, lead strong, it will get better. I pray that the male soul in this season take a journey of feeling, remembering, forgiving, so that we too will discover the illuminating light of the wonder of Christ. Light of the world.
you came down into darkness. Open our eyes and let us see. Open our eyes that we may see. That was an incredible message from our pastor and what a reminder about the tension that we all live in. The tension of joy and wonder and the tension of grief and the beautiful journey of being a human. But also a reminder of what it means in this season of Advent to have Christ with us in the waiting. We wanna just take a moment to thank our pastor for that word from God and also remind you that as a church on Saturdays. Yes, we got prayer. Yes. Want to tell them? Yeah. Every Saturday at 8 a.m. we got prayer. We stream it online. You can join us in Zoom. It starts at 8 a.m. every single Saturday. We love it and we are so excited about this Christmas season. It's obviously going to be spectacular. It is. It is. Yeah, I thought okay. there was more coming. but No, uh, that was it. <laughs> I just want to remind you, church, that next Sunday, uh, starting on December 13th, we are beginning to receive our Christmas offering, and that offering goes towards ministry here in our local community, as well as, uh, just as you heard at the beginning of the video, uh, through the rest of the world. So I pray that you would take the time to sit with God, to really pray about what uh, you are called to give in this season, and remember that our reach as a church is wide and deep. Uh, why don't we pray together before the end of service? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you uh, that when we sit and we pause and be still in your presence, that deep truths, uh, we're able to hold them in our hands once again. Lord, I pray for every single person hearing this message today and in the future. God, I pray for freedom. I pray for true joy to be awakened in their hearts. I pray for laughter to return, even in seasons of loss. God, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you dwell with us here and now. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now listen, one of the great theologians, Elf, he says the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And so what better way to end our first Christmas Sunday than singing a phenomenal Christmas song together. So people, whether you're in the chat at home or you're one of the hosts in the room, let's sing loud. Uh, if you're in the room with masks on, obviously. But listen, let's end this service well.
I'm here with Carrie, who I was just with on stage. We talked yeah. about Elf. Yeah. And, and Caleb, looking fresh in that new jacket, oh, by the thank way. thank you. Yeah. I appreciate Very it. Very nice. Now, first thing we need to talk about, I don't know if anybody noticed this, and this might be way outside of left field, but Jamie Stoffel is our electric guitar player. He had uh, quite the mustache He has going. a mustache. Correct. Did you see this? Are you fixated on it? Uh, you know, it's this thing about mustache. It's kind of weird. Rob Steen also has one. It's true. Um, Bizarre Should we go it's through the thing list about of every human that has Well, I, the thing that's kind of frustrating <laughs> is during the last lockdown, I tried to grow one. Yes, you did. And it oh, didn't really go well. I look stash. at pictures now, and wow. it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Why did I do that? Yeah. So like anyway, great service, powder. people. Merry it Christmas. It was incredible. <laughs> Super exciting. You, uh, We got a little preview of some candelabras. Listen, I thought it was candle opera. Nope. Oh, until boy. recently. Yeah. So when I had this really exciting idea to get them, I didn't know what to search on Amazon. So you search <laughs> <because> Candelabra. <laughs> Candelabra isn't a thing. Um, Candelabra, but super exciting. Got a little preview. Those are actually, we got them for our Christmas Eve recording that our teams are getting ready to do later today. So reminder, mark it on your calendar this year. The Father's House is doing 
a pre-recorded Christmas Eve service that will broadcast many times throughout the day so you and your family can join us for an incredible Christmas Eve celebration. And today you kind of got a little visual hint. I just had a thought. So so now that people have an inside scoop, wow, my hair is doing crazy (laughs) things. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So now that we have an inside scoop, thank you for just taking that shot back. Wow. (laughs) It was too much there. Uh, uh, We could have our own candles at home. And That's like, right. you know, we could do our own thing. And join us on our yes. candle. I love if it. If you Google I search candle opera Wes, on why Amazon, are you, close up again? you can <laughs> actually buy the very candle operas that we have here at the Father's House. And Be you sure will actually Google make opera. Christmas come alive. Uh, did you hear the pre-show with Caleb and I? Uh, are you no, proud I of didn't. it? You didn't hear it. First of all, she's not paying attention on a Sunday. I, no, I <laughs> Chat, I don't know what to do. Uh, my question for you, Carrie, is how long did oh, it take? I like this. Did it take Mariah Carey to write? Uh, what's the song called? All I Want for Christmas. How long did it take her how to write? Uh, seventeen minutes. I wait. Hate what you, you listen? What you is seventeen listen. minutes? It's fifteen minutes, but that ruins the <gasps> game, Carrie. And it obviously, well, could be seventeen. They probably just rounded down. Why would you think that magic would be created that because fast? I either thought it was going to be super long or super short. And so you went with the right option. And I'm yeah. a genius. Now changing gears away from your very exciting Happy Christmas, which yep. I think tensions my topic um but pierre talked about today uh lament and grief how do you guys feel like you do with that very thing i'm be honest with you that's what i want that's why you're here i'll be honest with you i do not do well (laughs) i do not do well with it explain what i try to be an eternal optimist yep and so lament there's there's little space in my but i have to have a dinner party what i will have a dinner party in my life so (laughs) So you're having a dinner party with, with your pain? With my pain. I'm going to cry for days <laughs> with Pastor Pierre, and it's going to be wonderful. Can't wait. I'm going to thank my pain. It's going to be a thing. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I, I'm just enjoying this moment. I, Here goes so Carrie. Well, people, I was reading. People, <laughs> people need to know, whoever is watching this, that we, we constantly have this conversation. Yeah, all the time. Because it's like this is my, my happy place. You know, I'll just. Which, uh, I, okay, chat, I want you to. Take this in. We are talking about lament and pain. Happy and Carrie place. says, this is my happy place. Well, here's why. No, it's my happy place because yeah. when you feel it and you process it and you make room for it, then yeah. it doesn't build up over time. It's really you hard know to what I'm argue saying? health when you say healthy things. Yeah. But I agree. Yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. you're right. I put a label on it. But you asked You asked a question. I so did. I'll say what I do. Yes. Solitude is key for me. <laughs> Because Whoa. if I <laughs> this gets harder. Yeah. <laughs> because oh, wow. if I'm not if I'm not quiet or alone, then it's just noisy and you know, I am not dealing with anything. Yeah. So, you know. I feel like what I do is I create a manageable, more uh, small version of my grief and sadness mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. I feel like I process it because then I pride Like you mess myself. up baking or something? No. Oh, okay. oh yeah. <laughs> they they don't lament over baker. burnt cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Life's more complex <laughs> than that. All right, just oh. checking to see how small it's getting <laughs> no well. but like i i falsify what i feel i'm grieving because then it feels like well i'll process it and then i get a point for processing my grief and then it looks like i'm doing it yeah and then like under the surface it's yeah. oceans it's, of pain it's all bubble oceans, <laughs> of, pain. oceans of pain i'm just swimming awesome. this in is pain. so encouraging <laughs> oh. yeah it's gonna be a great series We're doing great, excited about it. <laughs> it's gonna be great it's yeah. gonna be good no i really did love how at the end of service when uh pastor p made the point that when you have all this, uh, I can't remember the word he used, like um, uh, fake light. It wasn't fake yep. light. But when you've got all this, you, you lose sight of what's truly important and that perhaps the darkness is what's making us see mm. true light. I love that. I love that visual. Yeah. And then just like focusing on 
kind of the context of everything that was happening hundreds of years ago um, that landed like the place of where Jesus was born. And then looking at 2020 and like comparing the two like Pierre did, I mean, there is yeah. n- there is such a strong parallel. So this Christmas for me, I don't know about you guys, I'm extremely excited. I don't know about you, Father's House, but this Christmas feels exceptionally special. Even if it looks different, I think it may look different for a reason because it's going to do something different in our hearts this season. Final words before we we say adios. Uh, Yeah, what you were just saying made me think of something. And um, uh, you can't selectively mute emotion. Yeah. So if you mute pain or grief, you actually mute hope Mm. and joy. Uh, So just the idea of embracing all of it That's so good. is beautiful. I saw Josh's eyes go. Mm. Yeah, I was like, trying to, sorry. <laughs> it's because you're still at your dinner party with your pain. That's right. Amen. And I'm swimming in mine. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Zero processing. I'm excited about the series. Things are very <laughs> helpful. Uh, and I'm excited about Christmas. So, yeah. Close us out, awesome. Josh. Yeah. Church, we're excited that you joined us today. Uh, it's going to be a great month. So make sure if you have not gotten in the habit of sharing the stream, inviting friends to watch with you, uh, you should give it a shot next Sunday. Uh, hit the invite button. Hit the share button on what platform you watch. Uh, and let's make our reach go wide. It's going to be a phenomenal Christmas. Even though 2020 is clearly very different, we are so excited about Christmas season here at the Father's House. So thank you for joining us, and we will see you next Sunday. Love Josh, you, I, think, I think you were going to close in song. No, oh, yeah. I wasn't. Mariah That's for Carey. next week. All I want yeah. for Christmas See you later, church. <laughs> let them sing and dance. And Love you, church. <laughs>